I want to thank Pastor David and his wife, uh, the community here at the gathering, uh, Chris Taylor, so many that have made me feel welcome. Uh, thank you for having me back. Uh, it's always a good sign when you get invited back. Um, I had a great time last year and have been excited and uh, just preparing for this weekend. And um, I really feel that the Lord is, is still at work in our midst. If you don't uh, know me, uh, I'm down in Lakeland, Florida, full-time. I pastor, I planted a church called Heart of the Father Ministry. I'm on the eldership team there. Uh, we are believing for revival and waken, awakening to break out, uh, even in Florida. We are uh, on college campuses and high schools full-time. We are fully invested in this next generation, but also calling mothers and fathers to come alongside of young people. God is releasing the synergy of the generations. How many of you believe that? The, the Malachi 4, 5, and 6 mandate is being released, that fathers would return to sons and sons would return to fathers. Ladies, you're obviously included in that. And so we're down there. I also travel about 85,000 miles a year. Uh, last year I preached in 17 states and several foreign nations. And I'm really uh, carrying uh, a message. And the name of the traveling ministry that I have is called Behold the Man Ministries. I believe that we are living in the days where it's time to take our eyes off of man and fix our eyes upon Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've had two meetings so far, uh, kind of to summarize them very simply. I believe that God is recapturing the gaze of the bride. I believe now is the time to get our eyes on the bridegroom. The book of Revelation says that the bride is preparing herself to meet the bridegroom. And I want to bring a message of urgency. I want to bring a message of hope. I want to herald the return of the Lord Jesus this morning. Does that sound okay? All right, pray with me. Thank you, God. Jesus, you said in Matthew 25 that you would come again and that there would be a cry that would be released that says the bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. And God, I'm asking that you would release a cry in Wilkes County. God, I'm asking that you would release a cry, Lord, and the gathering. The bridegroom is here come out to meet him. God, I ask that you would release the urgency of the hour, even this morning. Lord, I pray for revival praying. Lord, I pray for stirrings of awakening. God, I pray that you would wake us up from our slumber. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for the oil of intimacy. Lord, teach us how to connect with your heart, how to cultivate a burning hot love affair with Jesus. Lord, I pray that you continue to release joy, joy unspeakable as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you call us Hephzibah. You take delight in us. Lord, we thank you that you speak over us songs of deliverance, songs of joy. Lord, I pray that you would rally your people together this morning. Lord, we're asking that you would do it. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, will you turn to Revelation chapter 22? Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to share a message this morning called The Gift is in the Groan. The gift is in the groan. And as you're turning there, I love to give away free stuff. Uh, we brought a product table back there. I'd love for you to check some stuff out. Um, one of the series back there is called The Prayers of the Saints. I had an encounter several years ago where the Lord said to me, it's not when the seats are full that the kingdom comes, but when the bowls are full that the kingdom comes. How many of you believe that it doesn't matter how many empty seats are in a place or how many people come, when the bowls of heaven get filled, something happens. And this is a call for a generation to rise up. Uh, this also chronicles a dream I had about Daniel Nash. How many people know about Daniel Nash? Many people have heard about Charles Finney. If you get to know me, I love revival history. I read it 24-7. Daniel Nash was the intercessor for Charles Finney, the second great awakening in America. And Daniel Nash would go into places before the revival would even happen, and he would, for 25 cents, he would buy uh, normally a seller, get underground, and begin to contend in the spirit realm. And the Lord said to me, I gave Lou Engle the Nazarites, but I'm raising up an army of Nasherites in America. For every one voice of awakening God is raising up in America, He's releasing seven voices of intercession. I'm not talking about establishing houses of prayer. I'm talking about becoming a house of prayer. The temple, the body. So if you feel stirrings for intercession, we've got to begin to birth in the spirit what, before what happens in the natural. Okay, here you go. I like hungry people. You stood so, bam, he wants it. The knowledge of God. I believe that the knowledge of God is not only the means of salvation, it's the means of sanctification. We have got to give ourselves in this hour to a continual spirit of wisdom and revelation where we begin to behold the greatness of God. The book of Psalms says that God humbles himself to deal with humanity. Does that blow anyone else away? It requires God humbling to even deal with humanity. And the Lord is inviting many of us to get filled with the knowledge of who He is so that we can get rooted and grounded for the days that we're living in. Who can I bless this with right here? There's a prophetic school out there and a school of the Holy Spirit. This is called the Samuel Company, 12 hours of prophetic training and teaching. I know at Morningstar in the gathering, many of us are already prophetically trained. But if you want to grow in wisdom and understanding about this new generation of Samuels that God is raising up in the earth, there's a CD series that comes with a workbook. Here you go. You stood ready. This is too heavy. I don't want to hurt you. No, it's okay. Then this last one, doing great things for God. I talked a little bit about this at the men's meeting yesterday. Everybody wants to do a great thing for God, but everyone wants to control the vehicle in which we do a great thing for God. You know, God had great plans for David, but he required him to run from Saul for 13 years. God used the jealousy of Saul as the primary instrument to prepare David for kingship. Joseph the dreamer, great destiny. What did God choose to prepare him for destiny? A prison sentence and false accusation. 
Who knows what you and I are going to have to get, go through to get to our destiny. So this helps you in that wilderness season. Who can I bless with? Here you go. Ready? Don't hit that. Please. Oh, in the head. Touch your Lord. You all right? Just send the email to Chris Taylor. Okay. All right. Revelation 22. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. The gift is in the groan. Revelation 22, 17. I love going to the end of the story, but in my opinion, this is the very beginning. We're going to go to the last chapter in the Bible. We're going to read Revelation 22, 17. And the spirit, can you say spirit? And the bride, say bride. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Say come. So there's a partnership that God is releasing in this hour where the Holy Spirit, who's the best man in the wedding between Jesus and the bride. If you didn't know that, the Holy Spirit is the best man in our wedding coming soon. The Spirit and the bride, you and I, are coming into a spirit of corporate agreement to cry out and say, Come, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Now, there's three different types of prayers that I like to say here out of this text about come, okay? There's three types of revival-type praying, if you write these down. The first one is that He would come to us. The second is that He would come near us. And the third is that He would come for us. Come to us. What does that mean? Lord, break in on a personal level. God, come to my life. Break in with power. Bring a spirit of breakthrough and anointing. Come to me. I need your manifest presence. Come near us. Come near us is regional breakthrough. It's God breaking in, releasing His manifest presence where He begins to visit cities and nations and regions. I said last night, one of the things that the Lord has said to me is that He is looking for broken donkeys who will carry His lamb into their cities. It's time to get foolish for Christ. It's time to stop caring about what people think and how it looks and allow the Lamb of God to be carried on our backs into this city, even Wilkes County. Amen? And then the last one we're going to highlight this morning is come for us. How many of you are yearning and aching and groaning for the return of Christ? Some of us. This is the primary message that I'm trumpeting all across America. You know, I know I don't mean to take it how you will, but I know that some people, because they've lived a long time, they're more eager for the return of the Lord. You can imagine preaching the return of the Lord to a bunch of 16-year-olds. They're looking at me like, bro, I want to live a little bit of my life before Jesus gets back. But I'm telling you, the days that we're living in, it's so important that we are cultivating an oil of intimacy, that we are staying connected to the Lord. I believe the great awakening that's coming to us America is going to expose people in ministries who do not have oil in their lamps. We have got to begin to redefine what success is. Success is not necessarily lots of money and lots of people coming. Maybe in America that's a bad sign. Maybe the gospel isn't being preached. I believe the fastest growing churches in America are those that are leaving people alone.
They're not requiring anything. We're getting decisions for Christ, but failing to make disciples. Many of the churches that I minister at, especially in foreign countries, when you ask them how many people go to your church, they don't tell you how many people show up on a Sunday morning. They tell you based off of how many people come to that discipleship time during the week. So at a church of 10,000, they tell me only a thousand people attend here because only 10% of the people are committed to discipleship and the rest are committed to Sunday morning Christianity. And we have got to get beyond, and I'm just preaching like I'm preaching at my home church. I preach this every Sunday. We've got to get beyond just showing up on a Sunday morning and returning back to our lives. We've got to get into the place of prayer and say, Lord, come to us, come near us, come for us. Come to us, come near us, come for us. Connect me with your return. Amen? So you and I today are living right now between the two comings of Christ. One part of us stretches back in faith, love, and remembrance of His first coming, while the other part stretches out in expectant hope, desperate longing, and loving desire for His second coming. Because we truly love Jesus Christ, the present delay puts us in this radical and inescapable tension of heart. Does anyone feel the tension of being like stuck in this world? I mean, the Lord has done such an incredible work in my heart. I have literally been burning for revival and awakening. I'm trying to feed this ache and this groan. If I were to hand you my journals, you would begin to read of someone who's in full-time ministry traveling around. Many people think I have it all. And my journal writings are something like this. There's got to be more. There has got to be more. I'm seeing salvations, miracles, different things happening in different places of the earth. And I'm like, Lord, what am I searching for? Why, even after seeing your kingdom break in, I still have this yearning, this longing, this aching. And this is the revelation that the Lord has given me one day. He said this, Jeremiah... You will never be satisfied. There is no revival. There is no awakening that will ever hit planet Earth that will fully satisfy you. Here's what you're really after. Are you ready? He said, the groan inside of you will never be fulfilled until you meet me face to face. Beloved, I'm telling you, even yearning for a third great awakening in America is settling for the fullness of God's plan. Dude, I want you to get hit with this. There's no amount of miracles that will satisfy you. There's no amount of God breaking in and visiting you and we'll do a revival for six months every night. There's, there's no amount of that that will fully meet the ache and the groan. But I'm just going to be honest with us. Some of us do not know about this ache or groan because we're stuffing ourselves with the things of this world. And here comes the tension that you and I are caught in, this delay, this period of time where we can read about His first coming in the Word and we can read statements like Revelation 22:17. The Spirit and the Bride say, come and say, Holy Spirit, how do you begin to work this prayer in my life? 
Come, Lord Jesus. Come to me. Come near me. Come for me. Come to me. Come near me. Come for me. Because I'm telling you, we've got to get hit with the reality, beloved, that when we meet him face to face, it will be a far superior experience than any of the inferior experiences that we're having now. Oh, if you're taking pleasure in your life now, wait till you meet him face to face. And this is why David, I always refer back to his life, he's a man that got this. You don't make statements like, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You just don't make those statements flippantly. He had an encounter, even in an inferior covenant. This man gave his life to making a place for the Lord to dwell. I always tell people, God is not into visiting us. He wants to wreck us. We've got to stop, we've got to get business people to stop living for the weekend and start living for a burning hot love affair with Jesus Monday to Friday. We need a, a church in America that's not, has its eyes fixed on the political situation in America. I don't care who sits in the White House. I know the one who sits above the circle of the earth. His name is Jesus. Okay, that was Friday night. Paul referred to this tension as a war of the soul in 1 Peter 2.11. And he likened it to us living as aliens and strangers. I'm going to get to that tonight at the final session. But he referred to this tension as you and I living in this present evil age as aliens and strangers, foreigners and pilgrims. Jesus described this as a perpetual mourning for himself, the bridegroom, the inevitable suffering of the soul that his friends would live in when he was no longer with them. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. If you're awake this morning, say amen. I just, I want the Spirit of God to come this morning. I've been asking him and strike our hearts with a yearning and an aching and a longing for his return. Matthew 9 14, then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? In other words, Jesus was saying to them, it's such a glorious time on the earth right now while I'm here with them that there's no need to fast. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, it's such an incredible, glorious time in the earth while I'm here that there's no need to fast right now. There's no need to mourn right now. But let him finish. But, say but, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. So don't be telling me fasting is not new covenant. I believe right here, and I don't have time to get into this, but Jesus is not saying no fasting. I believe Jesus is introducing a new type of fasting. I believe many people fast under an old covenant mindset. 
We fast because we're dry and stale and weary. I believe that new covenant fasting is this. I fast because I've tasted and seen and I want more where that comes from. Okay, that's for next time. If you want more revelation, just read 16 and 17. But Jesus inferred by his question that he, they would mourn for him and that they would fast in his absence out of a deep desire for his second coming. So here's a question for you and I this morning. When's the last time that we fasted for the return of Jesus Christ because we became so sick of this world and we have, that we have and we miss him? I mean, when's the last time you got so consumed by what's going on in the earth that it drove you to fast and pray and say, Lord, come for us? I mean, I'm trying to paint a picture of someone that, that's awake and revved up, not, when are we getting out today? What's for lunch? Talking about walking into entire atmospheres where people are just locked. And you're like, what are you looking at? I'm picturing the one who's on the throne. His eyes burn with fire. His hair is as white as wool. His voice is like the sound of many rushing waters. He's the beautiful one. He's coming back for us. Do you know him? To me, I, I'm, not, I'm not in that camp of like trying to scare people into looking for his return. I'm like, he's beautiful. That's why we need to look for him. He's like no one we've ever known. He is the answer. He not only made a way, he is the way. He has given us unlimited, unhindered access to the Father himself. I mean, what are we really talking about of all the addictions that people have and the pursuits that they are on? When is someone going to get up and start burning for Jesus? I mean, start acting like what we have believed is really good news. So I think that we have to radically grasp how Jesus touched the disciples' lives to understand this tension, this ache, this groaning that we're talking about. So turn to John chapter 14. Is this okay this morning? John chapter 14. I believe if we'll just position ourselves in the presence of God this morning and ask Him to begin to burn this ache and this groan for His return, He's going to do it. John 14 verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. And receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I imagine Jesus in these moments looking at the disciples right here in John 14 and knowing that after he left them, they would never again be the same. 
They could no longer live as they once lived because love had had its way in them. Being around Jesus had ruined them for anything less than a continual experience of being near to Him. In the days that followed, how great would the suffering of their heart be for all who loved Him and called Him friend. The power and potency of their memories and their experiences with Him would cause an incessant groan to remain unanswered until they would finally see Him face to face. Jesus understood, hear me, Jesus understood His absence would initiate an inner groaning, a love pang for Him that would fuel their every sacrifice and empower their every service for the rest of their days. I mean, what was it about a man named Jesus where He would come alongside of men and their lifelong careers and at the words, follow me, they would literally drop everything and run after Him. What was it about this man that we claim to know and have in our hearts? What was it about him that caused them literally? He had such an impact. He had such an effect on them that they dropped everything. But yet in the American church today, Jesus is having little to no impact on people's lives. We have legislated this thing where people can come down to their altar, raise their hand and say, I give you my life and nothing changes. What a chasm. What a difference. And this is why my heart, even this weekend, is burning for you and I to get connected to Him in a very real and intimate way. To begin to cry out and say, Lord, I've got to know you in this hour. I want a burning hot love affair with Jesus. Many of us, I'm telling you, you haven't yet encountered Him unless everything's for sale. I'm talking about this man, Jesus, who is the pearl of great price. I'm talking about someone that comes to Him and so radically is touched and impacted and changed that they go back and sell everything that they have because compared to Jesus and this, I choose Him. Was this not the cry of Paul's heart? He looked at his accolades. He looked at his accomplishments. And he said, I've encountered Jesus. Now, encountering Jesus compared to what I've done in life, he compared what he had done in his life. This is the literal rendering as dung. As a pile of poop. I mean, when are we going to get to that place where time with Jesus and only He can really satisfy would bring forth that type of language to describe what we've been doing our whole life? What if you began to refer to your career as a bunch of dung compared to being fascinated and encountered Jesus Christ? What if we begin to compare our, our, our possessions, your house, your cars, all the gifts that God has given you they do not satisfy. They do not come close in comparison with what it feels like to being with Him. 
But again, what it's going to take is intimacy, connection, not church attendance, not I'm doing the right thing because I know it's the right thing to do. I'm talking about getting beyond all that and coming in the veil. Man, has anybody else ever showed you their pile of dung? I'm like a guy people love to impress. Let me take you to my house. Let me show you all my possessions. Let me wow you with all this. And I'm the wrong guy to do that to. I'm like, brother, it's a bunch of poop. I'm not impressed. What I'm impressed with is, is your heart on fire for Jesus. I mean, speaking of His return, it's all going to burn up. I'm not going to store my treasure where moth and dust are going to get on it. I'm going to store my treasure in heavenly places. I'm not going to waste my life any longer getting drunk on trivial matters. I'm going to begin to sow into eternity even now. All right, we're getting a rumble going. Jesus! Listen, I'm a crazy Jesus freak. I died to myself a long time ago, and I'm still yet dying. But you and I have got to rise up in this hour and model what it really means to be saved, what it really means to be delivered and set free, what it really means to be a peculiar people, as Titus says. I want to empower you. I want to give you permission to be a believer in Jesus Christ. I got a call from a young man the other day. He said he had just got saved. He asked me for some advice. He said, Jeremiah, I I don't really know where to go from here. I need to get connected to a church. What should I do? It was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just spoke out of me before I could even catch my words. I said, young man, stay away from churches and ministries. Stay away from people that make you feel at home in this world. Do you know that the church was never created to become a subculture for the world? We're of a different kingdom. When you gave your life to the Lord, you signed away your rights to fit in. It's time to stand out. Some of us, we've just got to get hit with who's living on the inside of us is real. God, do it. I know He's going to do it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I believe that this was the Father's plan from the very beginning, that Jesus would so wound the hearts of His friends in love. Hear me. I believe that this is the Father's plan for your life, and it was His plan when Jesus walked the earth. It was His plan from the very beginning to so wound the hearts of His friends in love that by sheer desire for His renewed presence in wrenching ache and groan for Him and His return, they would far more eagerly pour out their lives upon Him than waste their time on the pleasures of the earth. This is what revival history, they call it the divine wounding. Oh, 
It's literally when the arrow of heaven is shot right into your heart and you are literally ruined by love. It's you've tasted it and you've encountered it and I've got to have more. I mean, do we have any fellow addicts in here? I mean, here we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, habitually and continually giving our lives to sin, but yet somehow, some way, when people get saved, we can't give them permission to habitually and continually live in righteousness and cry out for the return of the Lord. If we were radical serving darkness, why not get radical about serving light? Jesus Christ did not die for 25 bucks and you're two hours on a Sunday. Jesus Christ died for nearness. He died for proximity. He died for burning hearts on fire for Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the world is not going to come into the kingdom unless you start demonstrating it. Your family's not going to get saved unless you stop becoming unconvinced of the power of God and start walking in it. Many of you are longing to see God break in, and His answer is you and I. The kingdom of God is around us, but it's within us. We have been given power and dominion and authority to destroy the works of the devil. If you're awake this morning, shout amen. I'm telling you, religion tells people to shut up, but in revival, God says, wake up. We are living in crucial days. Now is not the time to sleep. I'm telling you, we are in the Garden of Gethsemane. The church is sleeping. And Jesus is saying, can you not stay awake a little longer? And I'm telling you, He's put this groan. He's put this ache. He's put this longing in your heart to keep you awake. And we have got to start feeding the ache rather than stuffing it with the things of this world. And some of you just have to realize, I cannot fit in. I never will fit in. I'm going to sow my life into eternity right now and forevermore. We've got to get the fear of man broken off of our lives. Preach Christ at your work and if they fire you, can God not open up another job? No, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready right now to give my life for Christ. You could put a gun to my head right now. See ya. I love my wife and my kids, but I'm telling you, there's a fire that God is going to put on the inside of you where we will be unwavering in our convictions. The Lord is raising up uncompromised voices of truth in America that will herald the return of the Lord and call the church back to the first place, which is the first commandment, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. All right, some of us are realizing, I keep saying it's time to get saved again. I'm just that guy, I've been saved 17 times. When something starts stirring in me, I run down to the altar and say, Lord, I'm yours. If there's any unclaimed territory in my heart that you want, I give it to you right now. They were so radically impacted 
and changed in their encounters with Jesus that they willingly died for him and became martyrs. All except John. I mean, hear me, they were so radically touched, so moved, so changed that they willingly laid down their life for this man. Some of us are so unmoved and untouched by Jesus that we can barely make regular church attendance. I mean, I don't really know that we really get these 12 guys. He wrecked them. He wounded them. He poured out His love upon them. He taught them. He ministered. They just, they couldn't go back to life as usual. And even after they betrayed Him and they tried to go back to their way of life, Jesus came and He gave them breakfast. I want to encourage you. I feel the mercy and compassion of God. Some of you are not following Him like you know you should be following Him. Listen, God's not ready to beat you down and give you the hammer. He's coming to woo you again. He's coming to draw you into that place of intimacy where when you get so close to Him... Things just have to break. Something's got to give. All the inferior lovers will die when you get into covenant with superiority. Hallelujah. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? And again, that question can only be answered by this. Look at your life. Jesus Christ is not something else to put on the buffet of whatever else you're doing. We do street evangelism and knock on doors all the time. I have stopped asking people, do you know Jesus? Well, I mean, we're in America. Who doesn't know him? No, I say, do you treasure him? No, is he your everything? Is, is he your all in all? I don't order Jesus around my schedule. I order my schedule around Jesus. No, but He's beautiful. He's worth it. There's none like Him. If you're not there yet, just ask Him. Come and encounter me. I mean, I believe now is the day to start praying dangerous prayers. To start putting it all on the line. Beloved, the works of the devil are increasing in America. We're living in that Isaiah 60 reality where it's getting darker. But guess what? The church is getting brighter. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has come upon you. We've got to get ready. There's a harvest that's coming. What happens if Wilkes County gets hit with a Holy Ghost bomb and the Lord starts to draw them in what are they going to find when they walk in this sanctuary I hope they don't find a bunch of bored Christians I hope they don't find a bunch of washed up people that got saved 20 years ago and there's no fire I'm telling you the world needs a hot burning church on fire for Jesus Christ come on but do we even care hello that without an answer, they're going to die and go to hell? See, because this is what the church has become. I do my little time on Sunday, and then I go back to my work, and I'm going to retire and praise God. And we walk by the dying and the broken every day that we live. I'm telling you, when is God going to break in at Thanksgiving dinner with your family that doesn't know Him? 
There is a holy dissatisfaction that God has to release upon us. We've got to get aggravated. We've got to get irritated. We've got to get unsettled with where we're at with God and say, Lord, I want your fire. He created you with this groan. If you name the name of Jesus, there's an ache, there's a groan, there's a yearning in your heart. And your level of hunger right now in this room, your level of hunger for it is going to be directly affected by what you're doing. If you have fire and you're hungry right now, it's because you're feeding it with the things of God. If you're in this room and there's no fire, there's no urgency, it's because we're stuffing ourselves on the things of this world. And this morning is an opportunity to get saved again. If I was in the church of God, I'd take off running right now. We've got to get excited for Jesus. He's not boring. You are. He's not boring. You are. Jesus Christ is coming to fascinate the world. He has given us eye gates, literally to gaze upon him. Come on, I'm telling you, some of you think I'm radical. Here's the deal. Compared to the Bible, I'm just normal. Listen, we gather ourselves in America around all these fiery hot preachers. And in the book of Acts, I would be Joe Schmo. But what is it telling us? Beloved, it's telling us this, I've strayed so far away from what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And really, I'm getting struck right now with, I'm just a fan. Come on, if you have some years on you in this room, you know that we are going to be tested and tried by the fire. There are going to be extremely hard things in life that come down the pipe. God never said, I'm going to take you out of the fire, but he did said, I'm going to take you through it. He is marking many of us with a gift of perseverance to run through the mundane of life and still say, Lord, I need you. One of my favorite messages that I preach to many of the millennials that come in is called burning for revival in the midst of poopy diapers and paying bills. Listen, I get it. Is anyone else busy? I mean, then there's always that guy that acts like he's the only guy busy. I mean, I get it, but I'm telling you, if we will fix our eyes upon him, even in the busyness, he will set you on fire. There's no revival in history where everybody just quit their jobs, stopped relating to their families, and let's go for revival. It doesn't work that way. If anything, we need people coming to the church, getting set on fire, and taking the fire back to their area of influence. That's the type of revival that I believe God is bringing to this nation. He is reaching the seven mountains. He is raising up men and women of influence who are going to burn in the corporate gathering. They're going to burn in the business meeting. Your boss is going to come to you and start saying, man, what is it about you? I'm ready for the word of the Lord to break in in the business world, in the marketplace. 
If they won't come in here, I'm going out there to get them. Because I've got the good news of the gospel. We need to begin preaching the gospel like it's the best thing they've ever heard. We offer the gospel to people, many of us, like they're a victim. Poor them. Okay, is this cool? We're only like page one. Holy Ghost, set us on fire. Now, I'm not just talking about a little fire where you fall down and get slain in the Spirit. Beloved, I'm talking about the fire of intimacy. I'm talking about no longer getting touched at church. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I'm talking about marriages being strengthened, restored, and healed. That's what revival is. Revival is healthy marriages. Revival is children serving the Lord. Revival is a burning hot devotional life tomorrow morning. Hallelujah. I know it's easy to feel disconnected from the over, overall storyline, but here it is. Jesus Christ came to the earth, turned 12 fishermen into lovesick disciples. He paid, with, uh, he paid with his life a debt that they couldn't pay, that you and I couldn't pay. He went to the grave. He rose again. He's alive, and he's coming back as our bridegroom. He has jealous love for his bride. Dude, I cannot wait for some of these messages that are going to be preached before his return. I mean, we've not even yet heard about the jealousy the fiery jealousy of the bridegroom for his bride. We are yet to hear messages about the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Come on, husbands, just think about what you would feel if your wife cheated on you. Or if a guy came in and stole her from you. You'd probably want to kill him. But here we are as the bride of Christ in the church, intermingling, having intercourse with the world, and we're not ready for the jealous fire of the bridegroom who's coming back to destroy all the lovers. I'm telling you, when we begin to talk about the jealousy and the anger of the Lord... My generation, this orphan-hearted thing starts rising up in people. I'm talking about when we begin to talk about the anger and jealousy of the Lord, people jump up and shout, Hallelujah! This is what it means to be really loved. I have a God that will fight for me. I have a God that's jealous over my affection, over my time. His heart burns with love. He wants to be near me. He wants to get all down on the inside of me. He came to take full possession of me. I have been bought with a price. I am His. And I'm not going to not do what I was doing because, oh, I know it's the right thing to do. No, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing because I don't want to break his heart. Which can only come from a place of deep intimacy with God. I don't serve my wife because I have to. I serve her because I'm in love with her. How are we doing?
believe the days that we're living in, I'll start landing the plane, the days that we're living in between his first and second coming are not meant for our disillusionment, but have been ordained for a harvest of souls and for the bride of Christ to become pure and spotless. And the delay is supposed to be creating a desperate longing, a groaning, an ache for his return. I mean, trust me, I get discouraged. I pray every day that Jesus would come back. Lord, where are you? I guarantee you there are people in this room that are, you woke up today and thought, is this the day? There are some things that happen in life where you're like, Lord, take me, I'm ready. What's happening right now? Why is there a delay? Here it is. One, there's a great harvest of souls that's coming that you and I need to have a hand in. I just don't want to pray for them. I want to win them to Jesus. I want to pray for them like it's my brother, like it's my sister, like it's my son and daughter. Beloved, if you've got children not serving the Lord, that's enough reason for fire! If they're going to go to hell, it's going to be me on my knees crying out to God saying, Have mercy on them. I'm not going to let the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. Who am I talking to this morning? I believe that there's parents in this room that the Lord says, You've got to get out of the guilt and the shame and the condemnation for your weakness and inabilities. When your children were young, I will make up for it. I've called you to intercession. I've called you to travail. I've called you to fasting and breakthrough. Watch me work in their lives as I work in yours. Now is not the time to sleep. I just don't get it. I'm sorry. How do we know people that don't know God and we're... We, our, our dream is to have a nice job and, and, and have a 401k and retire. Good God. Let's have some mind of Christ. Dude, and then, man, then there's the ministry, like, I get paid to do this. Why do I need pay? I don't. We have six staff members in Lakeland that run the church. Listen, the only kind of staff my members I hire are those on fire. Here's, our, here's what our staff meetings look like Monday morning. Let's huddle up. Okay, people in Lakeland are dying and going to hell. Break. What else do you need to know? Hello. I mean, what else do you need to know? People are dying and going to hell. Let's get to work. Man. Souls. Well, I'm sick and I'm hurt and I can't get out of my house. Do you have any money? I mean, of all the things that we're investing in, the stock market, this and that, is anybody investing in souls? I mean, I meet with a lot of wealthy people, a lot of wealthy people all over America. Jeremiah, what should I do with my money? Give me a prophetic word about Apple stock and whatever. I'm like, brother, sow your money into the kingdom of God. 
I've been, I've been encouraging people, stop giving your love offerings and money to people who are just building a platform for themselves. I want you to give money to ministries that are actually saving the next generation. So it's twofold. Let's stay on point here. It's, it's the delay, the tension is it's for the harvest. We're going to get the loss. But here's the other thing. We also watch and wait. We pray as the church. We stay awake. That's the second thing that we do in the delay. We cry out for the harvest. We reach into the harvest. But then we're on alert. We're watching, we're waiting, we're looking for His return. We have a revival spirit on the inside of us that says, come to us, come near us, come for us. Come to us, come near us, come for us. Is this making sense? So what are we doing right now prior to His return? I pray that we are a church and a family that has a burning desire to see souls come into the kingdom and discipled. And secondly, we have a burning heart desire as a church family to be alert and awake, to cultivate atmospheres of encounter so that we're ready when they come in. There's the end time church vision statement. John Piper puts it like this, the bridegroom left on a journey just before the wedding, and the bride cannot act as if things are normal. If she loves him, she will ache for his return. The bridegroom left on a journey just before the wedding, and the bride cannot act as if things are normal. If she loves him, she will ache and groan for his return. We are in love with a real person this morning and must refuse to be comforted by other things. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 through 4. Listen to this. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling from heaven. For indeed we, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is moving away may be swallowed up by life. There it is. The groan. The gift is in the groan. God gave you the groan as a gift to help you stay awake in this hour. Come on, we know Jesus came in the book of Revelation and he said this to them. You have the appearance of being alive, but you're... See, we, can't, we can fool people, but we can't fool Jesus. Only you really know where you're supposed to be at with God. God's not fooled by religious busyness. He's not fooled by programs. He's far more concerned with our heart being on fire for Him than He is us doing things. So you have this gift right now. What are you doing with it? How are you stewarding the groan? Are you feeding it or are you stuffing it? Are you pouring gasoline on it or are you watering it? Our decisions in life will determine that answer. And I really believe a lot of us, what we just need is a vision of eternity this morning.
We've got to stop fixing our eyes on the temporary and get our eyes fixed on the eternal realm. I guarantee you if you will fix your eyes on Jesus this morning and ask Him for fire, He'll pour it out on you. Though our minds know Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He died, He rose again, and our mouths give testimony to being His bride, awaiting His return. The longing, ache, and groan in many of our hearts is disproportionate to the times that we're living in. The difficulty is that though we claim deep love for Jesus, the degree of our satisfaction and the way things are now indicates otherwise. One more time. Though our minds know Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He died, He rose again, and our mouths give testimony to being His bride and awaiting His return. The longing, the ache, and the groan in our hearts right now for many of us is disproportionate to the time that we're living in. The difficulty is, though we claim deep love for Jesus, the degree of our satisfaction and the way things are now indicates otherwise. If we really love Jesus, why do we not groan for His return? Amen. Beloved, and is that, I mean, I enjoy life. I'm not miserable. Really do. I have a great life. My wife, my kids, a church. But I'm telling you, there's a far greater reality that's coming. I mean, thank God. Whether you're in a bad situation or you think you've got it, I'm just telling you, there's a real coming, there's a real kingdom that's coming to planet Earth. Jesus Christ is going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. He's going to rule and reign the nations with an iron scepter. What are you sowing into? What are you giving all your time and money and energy into? I pray right now that there's a transition in the spirit that's about to apprehend many of you. We've got to shift our focus from the things of this world and we've got to get our sights fixed upon the beautiful one. Wayne Grudem. Anybody ever heard of Wayne Grudem? Okay, he wrote a book called Systematic Theology. I say that all to say he's one of those scholarly fellows. Very educated. You would think a guy like this probably wouldn't have a radar on what we're talking about this morning. I want you to hear him. Do Christians, in fact, eagerly long and groan for Christ's return? The more Christians are caught up in enjoying the good things of this life and the more they neglect genuine Christian community in deep intimacy with Jesus, the less they will long for His return. 
Hear his last sentence, please. To some extent then, the degree to which we actually groan for Christ's return is a measure of our spiritual condition now. To some extent then, the degree to which we actually groan for the return of Christ is a measure of our spiritual condition now. How's our spiritual condition doing? I'm just, I'm imagining a church in America on fire. I mean, the power and the presence of God just coming in waves. And even after we experience all that, we leave the meetings with this thing gripping us, with it overtaking us and saying, Jesus, I just want to see you face to face. How great and glorious is that day going to be? The question this morning is, are we groaning for His return? Are we feeding the ache of the Holy Spirit within us for the fullness of Jesus? Or are we busy stuffing and starving it by being drunk on busyness and the desire for other things? I'm all for looking at a calendar and asking God what He's given me grace for. But I'm telling you, God is releasing grace for His return. He's looking for a lovesick bride willing to lay down everything out of passionate desire for Him. A.W. Tozer said, I want to deliberately encourage this mighty groan for Jesus. The lack of it has brought us to our present low state. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is the deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ in His people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad many of us He waits so long so very long in vain. O oh God, I have tasted your goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty again. I am painfully conscious today of my need for more grace right now, and I'm ashamed of my lack of desire for your return. Thank God for His honesty. Thank God for His honesty. Can I just encourage you today, JT, will you come up? Can I just encourage us to be honest where we're at with God? The gift of the groan is not given for our difficulty, but as a way of keeping our hearts awake when they are prone towards sleeping. The inner groan that God wants to release this morning keeps our hearts in love for God, reaching for eternity so that we might flee the deception of the lusts of this age and the comfort of the temporary. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus 
that you would begin to stir a holy groan in this room. God, I'm asking for weeping and travail this morning. God, I'm asking for godly sorrow. Lord, we just want to come before you right now and repent. Holy Spirit, come right now and examine each and every one of our hearts. Our lives right now are dictating our current spiritual condition. What are you sowing into? What are you giving your life to? I've prophesied it and I'm going to prophesy it again. There's a holy reset that God is offering the gathering in Moravian Falls. The Lord is offering you intimacy. He's offering you a groan for His return. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come right now. Are we stuffing the groan or are we feeding it? Awaken us, Lord. I want to ask you right now, if you feel the Lord is stirring you to come down to the front in this altar. I want us to fill this altar just as an act of the Lord to say, Holy Spirit, come. Release this groan inside of my heart. The sacrifices that God desires is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Just be honest. Lord, things are not okay right now while you're away. you while we're up here just to begin to pray that prayer let the Holy Spirit work in you God come to me come near me come for me God come to me come near me come for me God come to me come near me come for me God I'm asking for a harvest of souls in Wilkes County God Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would release a burden for souls at the gathering. God, we just declare, Lord, that the gospel will go forth in power, Lord. God, raise up an evangelistic people, Lord. Lord, burden us for the souls in this region, God. Lord, burden us for our own children. Just believe that there are many parents in here. The offer is the same. No more guilt. No more condemnation. No more shame over the past. Now is the time to catch fire. Now is the time to cry out for your sons and daughters. The time is growing near. The return of Jesus is at hand. The earth groans. The bride groans for His return. 
Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Come on, just pour out your heart. God is going to mark you this morning. His hand is going to touch you. the Holy Spirit is going to begin to talk to many of you personally. Just invite Him in right now to show you what are the changes that need to be made. Redirect us, Lord. Reset us. is not our home this world is not your home this generation here. Everything we've talked about this morning, this is why the book of Hebrews says it, to fear death is to subject ourselves to bondage. It's only going to get better. Just keep praying another minute. God, do your work in us, Lord. Release the groan. The gift is in the groan. Embrace the groan. Embrace the ache. His name is Holy Spirit.